So good morning and good evening, everyone, and welcome to this latest uh, edition of uh, the Indic Book Club's Writers Open House with the Otis uh, Stanford faculty. And uh, uh, for those of you who have uh, joined for the first time or those of you who will eventually end up watching this on a YouTube video and will might have questions as to what this is about, I'll give a quick introduction. So this uh, is a set of uh, weekly meetings that we have uh, with, uh, with Otis Hashmire, Stanford University faculty in writing. And... Uh, we 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 invite uh, we invite our users and readers to send writing samples short writing samples of approximately 800 words uh, to otis uh, in a pdf uh, format document and otis what he does then is he reviews them he marks his notes in them and and then at these uh, uh, open house meetings webinars that we have he will take as many as he can within the time uh, that we have and provide feedback on what he liked what he didn't what could be improved and in general share his comments and 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 share some of the things that uh, we all can use to improve our, our, our craft of writing so this is what we do, and you can go to the indicacademy.org website to find more information on how to register and some more details there. So I invite all of you to do that. And with that, Otis, I will turn this over to you. I may switch off my uh, my webcam uh, for a little bit, but uh, I'll be here. Okay. Um, I don't see anyone else right now. I'm... Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn them into uh, uh, panelists, which we always do, so that they can uh, also uh, share their webcam and 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 unmute their mics. Because in this webinar mode, we don't allow. Uh, I, I think by the default is that uh, attendees cannot uh, switch on their webcam or or unmute themselves. But uh, obviously, we don't want that. It would defeat the purpose. So, all of you. Uh, you know, please feel free to to uh, share your webcam so that Otis can uh, can see you, and we all can see you. And uh, when we when when Otis goes over your sample, please do uh, you know uh, unmute yourself and and uh, share your webcam so that we can uh, you know have a more interactive uh, session. Okay, uh, great. Can you hear me? Hello. Um. Okay, so uh, this week, I think that I I. As far as I can tell, I, I had two pieces. One was a bit long. Um, Smitha, is that is that right? Yeah. Hi, Otis. Uh, Hi. Uh, Otis, right. if, if I may add just okay. one more thing. Uh, there was a piece, I think, about two weeks back that Anvita sent, and she had a class, so she couldn't join for some time. So I'm not sure if you covered that. Uh, she had sent two pieces. The first one I know you covered, which was... Uh, uh, there were two pieces. One was a hospital scene, and the other one was, uh, uh, you know, uh, partying at uh, Christmas. So maybe you did. So I'll, I'll check with her, and uh, uh, I'll get back to you on this. Sorry. Okay, I might be I might be able to do it. Um, maybe we'll do these two pieces, and then maybe after I have one from Ram, and then from Smita, and um, maybe after that that would work. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I thought that maybe we'd just try and spend our time. There were two things I was thinking a little bit. I mean, we only, since we only have two pieces, I also thought that maybe it would be good if we didn't run quite as long as we tend to. You know, it can, I think it keeps you up pretty late. We were up pretty late last time. And um, I think having a, a more, you know, uh, 
discrete chunk of time might be better for us all. We won't feel like we're being overwhelmed by these meetings and feel responsible for spending so much time with them. Um, but yeah, I would like to, I'd like to talk about this piece. Um, maybe we could start with you reading us a short section. And the one I outlined was on page nine. There we go. Can you see my, you can see um, my shared document. Um, yes, I can. Would you mind, would you mind reading this page? And then, then I'll have you talk about the piece a little bit and then we'll, then we'll dig in. Yeah, 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 I can do that. Uh, um, I hope uh, you can hear me clear and loud. All right, so I'll go ahead and start reading this page. Amma then pleaded with our house help to go fetch the English doctor who gave me injections. The doctor was too scared to step inside the house as he belonged to a lower caste. My mother begged him to save me. Did Achan find out when he returned? Sharada asked. He did not. He never even checked on me. He was always too busy for us. Wretched fellow. Sharada blurted out and bit her tongue. Di Sharade, no point calling him names. I have no anger or ill feeling. In fact, I have no feelings for him, good or bad. How can you not hate him? He never let you outside the house. He had sambandham with Trishur and Kuchi. He died without getting you married and left behind nothing when he died. I was his 14th child. He would have to be a hundred years if he lived long enough to get me married. Devaki let out a laugh and continued talking. He paid for all that he did. You know, he was infected with a mysterious disease and died a lonely man. Not one of his 25 children felt bereaved. But time heals everything. As I grew older, I realized my suffering in the Illam was not unique. Others suffered far worse. Okay, great. Um, there's a section right after this that I really like too, where she talks about um, um, Devaki. Devaki, I think. Yeah. Um, she talks about she talks about uh, bathing. How many times she has to bathe a day? You know, when she's approached by someone of a lower caste. So the 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 material about the caste I thought was really really interesting and. Uh, Devaki, her her life within that, and that she seems to have, so she was a 14th child, she didn't get married, and then I feel like she leaves, maybe, and then she does she does get married, or she has a child, um, Siddhartha is her child. So her story I found really interesting. I, I actually just, there's an American author, um, Isabel Wilkerson, who just wrote a book called Cast. Um, that likens the uh, the U.S. She basically says, you know, the Indian there's the Indian caste system, and she equates it some with what she's calling the American caste system, that puts African Americans on the bottom rung of the caste system. And uh, uh, she's a great writer, a great narrative writer. She wrote, uh, she won a Pulitzer Prize for I'm forgetting the title, but she's worth looking at particularly for narrative, if you're interested in narrative writing. Uh, her first book was excellent. Cast is a little bit more intellectual, but I, I, I devoured the book. I thought it was really great. And I think these, these Would you repeat the author's name for me, please? Uh, Isabel Wilkerson. 
So she's primarily writing about. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, really, really fascinating. I mean, she's really writing about the U.S., but she's liking. Well, she's writing about caste, and she's making this. Uh, basically, her thesis is that the U.S. has a caste system, and it's uh, a really fascinating book. And she talks about India some, and even the connection between those who are working for sort of a lower caste rights in India and those working for the, the rights of African-American citizens in the United States, the civil rights movement particularly, and really great. So I think that that, that material in this story, personally, I, I, and when I say personally, I don't think it's just personal. I mean, I think I speak for a lot of people finally, you know, like it's really interesting because it gets into these, these human social constructs, which for me, when I think about, you know, people talk about human beings having such big brains, and I, I tend to think that we have such big brains because of our social interactions. We have very complex social interactions. Um, and I think that it's, I think it's really great material if you, if you choose to delve into it, and you, you know, you seem to know something about it. So I thought that, that was really great. Um, I was hoping you might tell tell us all maybe a little bit about what your intentions were with the story. What what are what are you looking to do? Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm just going to get up for one second so I can hear you a little bit. Okay. I also had to uh, switch my connection. Um, I think I was on a slower connection, so I might have lost you for like a couple of seconds there. Oh. Okay. Uh, I was just yammering on. Don't worry about it. No, no, I, I think <laughs> no, I heard. <laughs> no, I heard uh, most of what you said, but just the last sentence before you said you will get up is what I missed. Uh, what, what, if, if I say anything of value, you can believe that I will say it many, many times. So, no worries. Got it. Thank you. Uh, did you ask me anything? Did you ask me anything? Yeah, I was, I was asking what 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 you what your intentions were with this story. Ah, so uh, I mean, the first thing that hit me with your feedback, first of all, thank you so much for such a detailed and comprehensive feedback. The first thing that hit me was um, what was this point of view that I was talking about, and uh, I thought I was going for third person omniscient. Um, so basically, like uh, you know. Um, what really happened, uh, what really has been happening in the last couple of months all over the world, where, um, you know, um, um, uh, the family is not able to uh, be there when people die, um, you know, during their uh, last moments. And uh, so that was one of the things that triggered me to sort of look at this. And um, uh, I was also, I mean, I, uh, this uh, this whole caste treatment also, how um, um, you know death is of course a great leveler. So is uh, you know um, loneliness, um, old age, and so many other things. Uh, when life comes a full circle, now I didn't want to. I mean, I I wrote many versions of this story um, um, through the many drafts that it went uh, went through, but finally I settled for something like this where. Um, this woman um, is all by herself and she has many uh, children and grandchildren all over the world, but they're not able to be there with her um, during her last uh, uh, few days. 
but then there is this companion who belongs to a lower caste and then she uh, bequeaths uh, something that she held uh, really sacred um that was passed on by her maternal grandfather uh, to this now uh, where am i coming from i am an advocate by profession i saw many people uh, draft and redraft their wills in the last couple of months because suddenly you know it seemed like you know you know death was not something that that was somewhere out there but it was quite imminent and you know they had to think about how things would get handled um they were no longer there so that was one of the triggers for me uh, but of course you know i am also uh, completely influenced or biased by many of the stuff that i have read about um, 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 about uh, this um, you know differences in um, in caste and discrimination and and all that so i think that is that is where this um, thing is coming from Okay. I wrote, I honestly I wrote this as an assignment uh, for a short story. Oh, it's okay. Uh, let uh, I'll let me let me jump in a little bit. So, so when I so there's so I see definitely um, the the point of uh, dealing with this material um, a little bit. So, like I I'm gonna hope that. You know, those of us who are here, we just, you know, we keep coming and we keep having this conversation because ideally, as we have the conversation over a period of time, you know, our level of being able to consider our writing is, is going to rise all the time in terms of the way we're thinking about it. Um, and I think that this is, this is really what we're going to be after as developing as writers, because we're not right here. We're not trying to develop. We're not actually trying to write a story. This is not an editorial process. This is a workshop in which ideally all of us as a group become more like writers, basically. You know, we start thinking like writers, et cetera, et cetera. So we're not really thinking for us as writers are, you know, and it is going back a little bit to asking about your intentions. And I, and, you know, I see obviously the topical nature of these intentions, but for us, as we develop as writers, what we want to be thinking about is what is our approach to the material? Like, how is it that we want to um, create the story experience? Because we're always going to be doing one thing, basically, creating a story experience for our reader. This is what we're after. This is what they're paying us for. They pay us to make a story experience that they have. And we um try to figure out how we're going to create that and we have some wiggle room in terms of how we do it if that makes sense but we don't have wiggle room in terms of doing creating that story experience and the basic story experience is that the reader okay so this is other things that i will say many times so the reader does not read to read about an experience, the reader reads to have an experience. So that is, that is hugely fundamentally important to the way I think about stories. So what we do, we were talking about craft at the beginning, the, 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 the essential foundation of our craft is what, how do we use words to create the experience for the reader 
and how do we make sure we create an experience they want to have? <laughs> like this is like it's easy to create an experience, you know, but we don't want to create a bad experience. So this is like that's and and as I as I've mentioned before, and the, so the then the next piece that like what we're the two things. So I've thought a lot about experience, right? It doesn't mean, um, you know, if we review the sort of stories that we engage in, right? And I and we can go quickly to our list of movies, right? It doesn't mean that our reader doesn't want to not be scared, right? We go to horror movies. They don't want to um, be filled with anticipation and suspense. The suspense, they do want that, right? They want a lot of things that we might say are bad. We might think it's bad to be scared, but our reader doesn't mind being scared. And that's why I think a lot of times our reader actually wants to feel this sense of peril, but they get to feel it as an audience member, right? They get to watch it. They don't, they're not actually in it. So they like that excitement. Um, so for, for us, this is, you know, this is, the main thing that we want to think about the the two poles that we want to resist sorry i'll put that back on um the two poles we want to resist are confusion and monotony you can see it on either side it doesn't matter so we do not want to confuse the reader which means that they're getting so much information that they do not know how to organize it because if they're confused and i mean and i mean psychologically confused right if they're confused, then they go to do something else, right? They go to, I mean, I'm not going to be confused. I, I don't want to do my laundry. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, people just drift, right? I mean, yeah, just drift, yeah. So. Yeah, and so, and then the other one is monotony, very important monotony. It, we don't want to have, we don't want to read the things that we already know. The, the, I go back, the fundamental thing that we know about our reader when they open up our book is that they want to leave their world and they want to go into ours. And they will go into ours so long as they have a good experience between those two poles. But if it goes over to monotony or it goes over to confusion, then they're going to opt out and go back into their own world. Does that make sense? Like, this is the way I think of it psychologically. So, like I, I mentioned uh, Isabel Wilkerson's book. I read it on my Kindle, so I don't know how long it was exactly. I think it's 500. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's a thick book. But every opportunity I got, I went back to it. You know, that's what we're after. You know, I couldn't read 600 pages all in one sitting. But when I when I was done when I was done reading, I was like, when am I going to find time to get back to it? <laughs> you know. And then when I lie down in bed, I turn on my Kindle. I'm like, okay, good night, everybody. And I went to my room and I turned on the Kindle and I started reading again. This is what we want, right? Because the space that she created for me was one I really wanted to be in. And in her case, it was, um, it wasn't, there was narrative in it. She's definitely a narratively trained writer, but there was a lot of her in it too. And I was part of her consciousness, part of her way of thinking. And so when I'm part of her way of thinking, then I leave my way of thinking. My way of thinking is to have anxiety over my laundry. Her way of thinking is to concentrate on this issue of caste, which she did not deviate from. So this is, so this is what we want to think about. And your piece, actually, and 
for all of you that when you submit a piece, it's great. Remember, our, our objective is to become a writer, right? We become a writer, we can write anything. That's the, that's the objective. We are not trying to write this story. And so when you submit a piece, it's so great because we can use your story as an object example. It might be a story that you wish to work on, you know, draft and draft and draft to bring to this area, or it might be something that just piques an interest, or it might suggest a direction, we don't know. But it's great to submit it so that we can talk about it and learn from it and, and start to think like this writer thinks, you know. Um, so let me go back to it. Um, so you said you you take the note about point of view. So I'm going to say something that I think is probably the most important thing to say about point of view. Point of view. So there's always a writer up here, and they basically design a narrator who does certain things here. So I don't, I don't really look at it as, you know, this idea of omniscient or third person or first person, I don't think is as relevant to our work as our use of point of view is and how either close we are in point of view or how far away we are in point of view. And in general, what we will do, and this is what I, I really suggest, is that we either we go close into point of view and then our alternative is to go pretty far away in terms of point of view. We don't like to be in this middle ground. We like to show contrast. So sometimes we're in the point of view of the, the omniscient uh, narrator. And sometimes we're in the point of view, we're living, seeing, breathing, feeling, touching, smelling, whatever, all the sensory perceptions from within a character point of view. So that's like, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to pronounce the names correctly, so they're, you know, they're not anglicized names, but Davita uh, walked into the dining room. She drew her finger around the cups on the table and adjusted them one by one. She put the utensils in their place. She smelled the, you have some really nice sensory uh, details in here. She smelled the, the rich um, uh, spice of camphor and da 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 da. She glanced at the open window. The sun was setting, you know, like so sight, all of that. So I'm the point of view is in her. And then um, uh, I'm not going to say Shadada? Sharada. 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 Um, I like a, a little Spanish. I like the trill there. You can get Sharada. Um, you know, then, then she said, shut it up, bring me my coffee. Gotcha. She said, when I go to she said, right, she's not thinking that. She's not thinking she said that's a narrator, right? That's the omniscient narrator saying something that I easily perceive and pass over as that omniscient narrator, right? It's just objective information. But so, but the reason we use point of view is that it organizes the world for us. So this is, I'm going to say something very important here, <laughs> like a little star on the side. Very important thing. Okay, each one of us, every single human being on earth, if I can speak for everybody, experience the world and our entire lives through one point of view, our own. 
So we will take that and we're going to sit with that for a good long time, right? Everything that we experience, we either, uh, we read it, we heard it. We did not, there wasn't, we didn't have another point of view. We might think we have a other point of view. I might think, oh, my partner's name is Zandi. I might be, uh, oh, I know what she's thinking. She's da, 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 da. I'm wrong. I am wrong every single time because I have no idea what she's thinking. I have no idea what her life is like. I have not lived her life. So because of that, when we read something that reflects a single point of view to a large degree, like I say, the narrator is always going to be involved in something. But the more we can focus it in a single point of view, the more it is like the actual life we live and therefore understandable to us. Is that, does everyone get that? The more, the more we recreate in our artistic world the way we actually experience real life, the more a, an individual, the reader, can connect with that life. One thing we none of us can do is jump from point of view to point of view, point of view. We cannot do it. So, so when we jump around from point of view, point of view, point of view, point of view, we're doing something that, that is fracturing that our reader does not experience in real life. I am not saying that we cannot have multiple points of view, but what I am saying is that we should understand the balance sheet that we have, right? So this is the way I look at it. When I start a story, I want to start it very strongly, and I'm going to suggest this to all of you. Establish the point of view. The point of view character is also going to be the protagonist. So that means they're also going to be the person who changes because of the events of the story. And that, that, is, that is the story. The story is about a character changing. That's what the reader wants to read about, because that's what they actually learn from. They learn from being able to participate in the life of another character who undergoes extreme events and then comes out with decisions about those events, comes out transformed by them. And that gives the reader hope that they're going to survive equally perilous situations, if that makes sense. That is the story platform. So if we... so. So the first thing we want to do is we do want to establish that point of view, right? But I was going to say, so, so that takes work. We have to do something. And what we do is the reader opens up our book, and what they do is they read those first words. Devita walked into the living room, touched the teacup, arranged the utensils, looked out the window. You know, it was, uh, it was the night before uh, Diwali, you know, and the whatever it looks like. The sun was setting, the, you know, the river flowed by, whatever it is that you're, she's going to be seeing and perceiving. I do that so I can take that reader, they read those words, and now they're, remember, they wanted to escape their world. I want to escape, I want to escape. And what they've done is they've gone into the head of, of our character. I've provided for them what they want, which is to escape their world and go into another world and that world is a consciousness. So, while I can have multiple points of view, 
I want to see the risk. So if I then rip this, if I take the reader, because it's the reader's consciousness that I'm moving, right? It's the reader's consciousness that I'm manipulating. If I want to then go into another point of view, I must rip that consciousness out of this person and put it then into another person. I can do it. But I want us always to look at there's a benefit, right? We want to look at the risk to benefit ratio, as they say, in corporate America, right? And all corporations, risk to benefit. So, so like, if there's a great benefit to having two points of view, I might do it. But what do I risk? What's my risk? My risk is losing the reader. Yes, I absolutely. I think um, the, I yeah. certainly don't want to confuse my reader. So yeah, yeah. let me say, so you know, know, whose story is this in the first? So you are saying that essentially in the first, at least in the first paragraph, the reader must know whose story this is about. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, there's right? no time like the present. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, especially in the story that I shared, the protagonist uh, is dead. I mean, I go back later. So I think the confusion is obvious. So I must yeah. work on that as well, the structuring of it. Well, it's it right now. It seems you know af after the first beginning of of the work. So I mean, if you might, yeah, I know, I know that you don't. <laughs> I, I'm laying in, I'm laying in real thick here, and I don't, I don't mean it to be actually just about your story. I'm really at this point, I'm going to just talk about for no, all of that. us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's for all of us, for all of our writing, and it's the stuff I have to remind myself of too. And you know, it's funny that. For me, it can seem like, oh my God, what a chore that I have to do this again. But it's like, I, we were talking earlier about we're craftspeople. We're, we're like people who make fine furniture. I, we hope it's fine furniture or else we're making benches or something like that. But it's like, well, I have to make the legs. If I'm making a chair, I have to put the legs on. It's like, why do I always have to put the legs on the chair? I, it's driving me crazy. I want freedom to just put the seat and have it levitate somewhere. No, we have to do this work. You know, we have to do the work of moving that, moving that consciousness, know, knowing what we're dealing with. We're, do, we're dealing with the human mind and we're dealing with the human mind that's attached to the human animal, right? It's not, it's not a cerebral thing that just floats around that, you know. So let me, let me just go, uh, just for everyone, just because I want to make these points with text and not it's for all of us, believe me. I, every single person I read, I say, establish the setting, establish the point of view. I, I, I have to say it to myself. You know, these are like, uh, anyway, I won't go further that way. But, so if we look at the beginning of this text, you know, like there's so many things uh, that I don't know, but I'm just gonna make one simple point, finally. So we have, this, we really have too many characters very hard to deal with. But again, if we have a lot of characters, you can see that having a single point of view to witness all those characters makes it so much better for the reader because they feel like they're someplace. The, the thing with confusion is, and the, and the thing with point of view is that when we use point of view, it puts the reader someplace where they feel safe. Otherwise, they have no idea what's going to happen in the next moment, ever. But if they're with somebody, 
they're pretty sure, and, and when they're with the protagonist, they're pretty sure that this person is going to survive the entire story, right? So they, they're in a good place where they can experience things from. And that point of view character is a vehicle for that. Sorry, I just popped that. Let me uh, get a different color. Okay, so we have, we have so many character names, right? Um, we have names, a number of people are, you know, have multiple names. So it is a little bit like, you know, if I, if I were studying medicine and I was learning all the names of the, you know, chemical compounds or, you know, diseases or whatever it is, it's just a memorization issue. The reason a doctor memorizes all those names is they think, cha-ching, they're going to make some money after they learn it all, right? That's what motivates them. Readers are lazy. I'm lazy. And I also am not getting... So the way we really remember things is not by looking at words. The way we really remember things is by seeing things and experiencing them. So among we do have all these names, but we also don't have any physical descriptions. There's nothing for me as a reader to be able to see. And then even more, even more memorable than that <clears throat> with characters is to see characters in action, doing things that they typically do. So like the opening, you know, might be, um, you know, Kuti, uh, you know, Kuti uh, uh, glanced at, at everyone on the Zoom call, you know, uncle. So relationships between people, the auntie and the this that's all abstract okay that's abstract it's not concrete it's very difficult for us to get our minds around but <clears throat> to actually see characters you know uncle uh uncle siddhartha uh turned from the screen swatted a fly and picked it off the wall right <laughs> you know that's something we can remember right we see a person who's cruel who kills easily something like that um, aunt so-and-so sipped her tea, you know, sighed and looked off into the distance, right? So now that's the way we start to understand characters. And we, we also really want to think about, um, you know, I say this pretty often, characters are what we work with as narrative writers. They are our instruments in the music that we make we do not want them to sound all the same, right? We don't want an orchestra of flutes. But if we only get the names, we have no way to really differentiate them. We don't know what notes they make. But, they, but characters are exceptionally important for us. And actually, in that section that I had you read from, you just have the two characters, and it's great to be able to see them interacting with each other. Um, so that's... Yes. So this is this is the main the main thing that you know. I love that you are you pay so much attention to language. Um, you have footnotes. I, we had a rule in the workshop like this is when before before Stanford and all that when I was at workshop at uh, University of Arkansas. They're like, if you have to write a story with footnotes, rewrite it. We don't because there's. This is not. This is not what the reader wants to do. The, what the reader wants to do is be able to understand every word. Like this is our focus. Um, let's see. 
Oh, shoot. Sorry. I'm just going to, I'm just going to see if this works up here. So what we really want is we want to take, sorry, I'm going to do this. We want the reader here, right? The reader is reading and we really want them to be focused on this word, then this word, then this word. We want them to have as much as possible. I, I really believe this. And this is someplace that we can really improve our work. We want to focus the reader in an almost meditative experience on the present. Where they, so I think one of the great effects of story is when we do rivet the attention of the reader, that one of the things that we do is we keep them riveted in the present reading moment throughout the entire duration of our work. That in itself is a great thing. That's part of the world, that, that, is, that is part of how we make our story world different from the real world. In the real world, each of us, like I worry about the past. Did I say the right thing? I worry about the future. What's going to happen? Am I going to get, you know, da, 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 da. I actually very seldom think about the present. In the story world, one of the ways it's different is that we comfortably spend our time in the present with a focus on each word at a time. Each word should be good, exactly right. The and it should make us anticipate the next word, which should be a surprise that makes us anticipate the next word, which is a surprise. And this is how we lead our reader through turning the pages, da, 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 da. It's, it's actually, I think, from my point of view, I, I love it. It's, it's so uh, deeply psychological and I think also true. And this is one of the things that we really provide the reader. I'm using the footnotes only as, a, as an example where we usually falter as we have, you know, as writers where, we're going backwards sometimes, we're going, you know, we're jumping forward sometimes. It's just a, we're, we're citing other texts. I did this just the other day. I, I really truly did it. I was like, you know, um, I did it within parentheses, but I cited that someone looked like a character in a movie. Well, as soon as I wrote that, I made my reader think about the movie and not about what I want them to think about, which is my work, my work, my word every single moment. That's, and that's the key to grabbing the reader by the throat and not letting them go. Excuse but, me, sir. Yeah. Sir, did you write something on the screen? I did. Uh, do you see, do you see uh, this? Do you see my shared screen? No, we just see that page number nine right now. Oh, really? Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I see my entire screen. So, um, oh gosh. I'm still on that one place. I'm going to stop to share for a second. I'm going to see if I can share it again. Okay, do you see the new with bequest? Do you see this one? Yeah, we can see it. Yeah. Okay, so this is the page. Sorry, sorry about that. Thank you for telling me. So this technology is just not as good as we think it is all the time. Um, but, uh, and, and like I said before, thank you. This is an illustrative of point of view, right? So I have one point of view <laughs> and you don't. We're trying to share a point of view. So anyway, I just outlined this part because I was just outlining these various names here that, you know, talking about them. 
they're not gonna they're not gonna elicit much in the characters in the reader's mind. They can't really do anything with it. Also, you know, relationships are abstract. We need to uh, show the relationship. And it's not if someone's someone's uncle or not. It's whether they're an authority figure that matters. It's whether they're a bumbling fool. It's whether et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all in relationship to the point of view character. But anyway, this was the little this was the little eyeball I drew up at the top. Do you see that when I draw? Does that show up? Yes. No. Yes. It does. Okay. Here. I'm yes. Gonna do it. I'm gonna make it a red eyeball. But anyway, I just I just draw these little pictures to try and really cement it in my own head that we want the reader to be involved in one word, then the next word, then the next word, and through that we create our momentum. And when we create that momentum, that's the main thing we really use as writers. So with momentum, we then sometimes go to spaces where we slow down the action. We write it in scene. And then we speed it up or we skip something. These are our simple tools. They're not complex. Just like the, the craftsperson who makes a chair is dealing with the simple issue of gravity. Right? Gravity and comfort. That's what they're dealing with. And we're dealing with a very simple issue of time. We have a linear form. We like to keep the reader here, here, here. We move them quickly over things that are not important. We slow them down for things that are important. We skip things that we don't need at all. And then we get back to things that are important. And that is the gold, the gold. Um, yeah, so I think I think I really um, I think that you have some great material here. If you if you know this character particularly, I think that for me, our writing, I write thousands and thousands of words to get something that's usually quite small. Most of the words that we write, we will never use. It's just like if you want to go back to imagine you you play an instrument, right? You don't keep all those practice notes. You don't you don't go to the, the performance and say, well, I've practiced for 10,000 hours and now I'm going to play for 10,000 hours. Right. We 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 practice for 10,000 hours. That's what we do when we type. And then we reduce it to this crystallized form. So I think in this, I think this character particularly of um, I want to say it's uh, the Bhakti. I'm not saying it right. I apologize. But well, her character. Devaki. Yeah. Devaki. Yeah. Her, Devaki. Devaki. Devaki is very interesting as a character. Um, I think she's more interesting right now on the page than the, the servant. The servant. From my from my reading seems a little bit of a cliche right so she seems like she's just you know a, an empty-headed servant you know and and I, we can't write characters like that um that that show our inability to really understand their lives so we have to be able to get deeper if she's going to be the central character and even if she's not the central character we still have to make her unique we can't we can't write stereotypes of the loyal servant for example but so if you if you were to make her the central character, then she's the one that whose point of view you want. 
she's the one who will change, right? Or if you have this other, this other woman who dies, then she would be the point of view character. Something would happen in which she changes. We always have to put, we have to think like that. You know, who is our character that's going to undergo the journey? Because it's, again, going back to it's the journey that the reader is signing in for. They want to have an experience, have an experience of a journey of peril where they actually get to experience the emotion of that peril and that journey without actually living it. This is what they're... It's been working for thousands of years. <laughs> um, and, uh, and like I say, I actually, you know, I said, I mentioned the footnotes. I love how detailed you are about the language. I love other languages in work, but you have to write it so that I, I don't know if you've had this experience. You can read things where like, you're reading the other language. You don't even know the other language, but you're like, I understand what it means. You know, you feel like a genius. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that takes a lot of work, but that's what we have to do. So like, <clears throat> or like, even when you have particular things in your work, um, you know, that might be particular to your culture that may, maybe I don't understand. If you want me to understand, if I'm part of the audience you want to get, which you, I should be, right? Everyone should be part of our audience. We don't want to, I never write anything where I exclude anyone as a potential audience. Right. I'm not like I'm not writing for just doctors because I'm not going to lose how many billions of people we have on the planet. I want to if anyone picks up my book, get them, keep them. That's that's my rule. Right. But if you if you want to use things that are very culturally specific, which I think is really great and I think you should, you can always write them and then also describe them. And sometimes people say this. We should describe all of the world as if we were like aliens who have just arrived, right? So that, so that the reader can always see it, no matter what words we're using, the specific symbols that describe a thing, no matter what words we use, they can actually visualize it. They can um, feel as if they're having a sensory experience with the thing that, with the world that we're creating. So, um, but anyway, that's a long way to say that I really appreciate that attention. Um, I would love to learn all of those things that you write in the footnotes, in the text. I did find myself needing to go to the footnote. I'm going to go back to the big risk. Whenever you get me to not look at this word, and then this word, and this word, and I take my eye off that page and go down here, you risk, in that time period, me thinking about doing my laundry. Right? I'm like, oh my God, I better really get back to, no, we don't do that. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't want the reader to think about anything else except for reading that next word. That's the only thing we want. We're like driven to that. And if we can do that, well, that's, that's it. We're, we've made it, you know. Um, Let's see, I lost that. Did, did that page change? Okay, so that, um, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll stop there on this piece. I know that's a lot to hear. Please, I hope you do really continue to remember. It's like, I'm not really just, we're not talking about a single piece. We use it 
we really thank you for letting us have something that we can then you know illustrate some some uh, truisms about you know um, and it's to me it's fascinating um, you know this the, the reader is of course us it's the human animal we can know the reader if we can know and understand ourselves well enough, right? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything that is an insight about anything at all. It's just because I think about it so much, trying to figure out what I can write that is going to work with, and, and save as much of my time as possible, basically, you know, so that I can produce that thing that's going to work the first time through and I don't have to risk what I hate the most in the world rejection by a publisher, right? You know, like, so, so this is why I think about all these things so much. Um, but all of these things, are, I think, are really truisms that, that we can access and understand about ourselves. Um, and so, so this is our work, is actually just to think about this stuff, which we don't. We don't in our everyday life, you know? But if we want to be a writer, this is what we'll think about a lot, but we'll also think about what our real passion is. What do we really want to write about? You know, what's the thing that's, what is the thing that's making me do all this work? That's an equally important question because that's the thing that I need to write about. And I need to get on the page and I need to share. So I have to think a lot about the reader. The reader is just like me. That's hard for me to recognize. And I also have to think a lot about myself. What is impassioning me to do this hard work? <clears throat> I had a mentor um, <clears throat> when I was at Arkansas, and he said to me, you know, this is when I was, you know, just trying to get involved in it. And I was, you know, working, I thought I was working my hardest. And he said to me, he was kind of glib, and he had written a couple of movie scripts, and I think that made him sort of glib. Uh, he said, Otis, you sound like someone who wants to have written. <laughs> Take that away. <laughs> Take that away. You know, right? You know, I want to be the person who's arrived. You know, who's like, oh, but do I want to be the person that does all the work? That's the question. Um, if you're a writer, right, and what I found in my life, is I actually enjoy the work more than I enjoy the outcome of the work. And if, if you haven't, it's a sad place to be if that doesn't happen. No, I think uh, uh, you said it. I think uh, when I look at this story, I think what I enjoyed the most was uh, thinking about the plot um, and then writing it and then drafting and Editing it is what I enjoyed the most than the final outcome. Yeah, and right. Because you're always thinking about it. I think that process is certainly the most interesting process. Yeah, I, I love that imaginative experience. And, and, and it's actually honing that imaginative experience that we finally give to the reader. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Uh, you had a question? No, uh, right here. In yellow. Yeah, sir. Yeah. Sir, I would like uh, 
you said that we had to uh, tell the reader about everything like uh, we had just to give him a hint about the story that we are going to uh, start with in the first paragraph uh, but then uh, i read these two books uh, uh, and for that i want to say like if we are writing a series of books then do we start where we left from the last book or do we start like a, a new story <clears throat> um uh i'm not sure that i have specific advice about that probably if you're writing a series you're uh, people write series in a lot of different ways Sometimes they're different. So a story is basically a combination of characters. Well, a story is a combination of characters, but it's usually we focus on some characters or one character, and there's an event of some kind. That's basically a story. And it's a story because it matters, because it's changed the characters in some way. So if you're writing a series, you might be taking the same characters again, but now it's a different event. That might be what's the case. Or like we've talked before about having a protagonist. A protagonist can be one person, or it can be multiple people, <clears throat> right? And um, so we might have, but so we have a protagonist, and then we have what's called the antagonistic forces. So the antagonistic forces are basically what create the event, right? It's the conflict between the protagonistic force and the antagonistic force that creates the event that leads to some kind of change or development. So if you're writing a series, you might have the same protagonistic force, right? The same characters here, but a new antagonist. That's very common. That's very common. Um, or you have, or you have the same antagonistic forces, but you just have it's this event, but now it's this event, now it's this event. Story, the story form can basically be, uh, it's like an accordion shape. You can make it very small. That can be a story, and a small story takes less time to read, right? Or you can make it very long. You can take that long thing, which will be now a series of events, and split it up all into different discrete parts, right? Like, uh, you know, like there's some American TV series that are just so good right now, like Breaking Bad, for example, um, a number of other ones coming out of HBO. The Sopranos was amazing. Some of these writers are doing incredible things with series and they understand exactly how to do it. So it really depends what you're after. The story form will always remain the same, however. Um, and the, the point I'm trying to make about the beginning, the beginning needs to do two things. This is, this is my, my point about the beginning. It needs to establish the conflict and I'm saying establish the point of view, but by that I also mean make us care. So you need to establish a conflict. What is going to happen? These are the two forces that are interacting. This is what this story is going to be about. And why do I care about what's gonna happen? I care about what's gonna happen because I am personally going to experience it and learn from it for myself, right? I don't care about it because Someone tells me I should. That's not how we work. I care about it because it actually means something to me, not because someone tells me it means something to me, which delineates the difference between what we're going to try to write and 
you know, we're going to try to write something that everyone is going to open up and they're going to want to read it because they want to read it. Not because there's some teacher, you know, some, some egghead professor, you know, telling them, you must read this in order to be an educated person and in order to make a lot of money. That does, that's meaningless to us. We don't do any of that. We only have one relationship. If we need someone to tell someone else to read our work, we have failed. That's my feeling. Uh, um, so I started reading this is uh, just Stephen Hawking wrote, and I read the it's his first book, uh, George and His Secret Key to the Universe. Uh, but then uh, his starting was just like Ruth said. Uh, but uh, initially, I didn't I didn't know who Ruth was or anybody else. Uh, but still, I got interested. So uh, how did he do that? <laughs> Show me. You know, it can be really great to look at the first pages of stuff. I, <clears throat> I love looking at the first pages of works. If you were interested in it, if there was something, no one told you to be interested in it, no one forced you to read it, then, then there's something there that worked. Take a look at that page and figure it out. What is it that works? It is a great thing for all of us as writers to say, because we're different, we do have different tastes. I don't read everything with the same amount of you know, someone might love a certain book that I, I closed and I put away. So we are different. But find the work that you love, that you couldn't put down. Try to write a book like that. I mean, it's, you know, say, say to yourself, what did they do? What did they do? This is the, you know, every time we read a book that's successful, it's like reading, the, you know, it's the master class and how to write. They've, but it can be very hard for us to figure out how it worked, but it worked somehow. So take a look at it and figure it out. <clears throat> One way, like the way you're describing it, we often say start in media race is a Greek phrase that means in the middle of the action. Start in the middle of the action. But at some point you want to catch up to make sure that we care about what's going on. You can sometimes start so fast that we don't even know, right? We're just turning the page. It's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then, but at some point we care about what's going to happen to the protagonist. Keep your eye out for those things. Um, if it's a book by Stephen Hawking, there's a slight difference sometimes. So like when we have books about very famous people, sometimes we read those books because we also want to be really famous like they are. So now we're actually reading it not as a, we're not reading it because we're grabbed by the throat. We're reading it as a manual because we feel like there's a certain exact outcome at the end. That's okay. That's okay. Like a lot of nonfiction works that way. But we better tell a story too if we want it to really work. That's my feeling. Um, Ashvani, you had a question? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So my question is that from today's session, what I understood about point of view was you were trying to uh, tell us that it would be better if we had a single point of view and that point of view was the protagonist so that it would be easier for the reader to follow what's going on. But in a previous session, uh, what I understood, possibly I understood wrongly, was that you were trying to tell us that as writers, we should understand all human beings, uh, try and understand more than one points of view and have 
you know maybe a point of view a and a point of view b which are uh, diametrically opposite to each other at the beginning of the story but as the story progresses they come closer and closer to each other at, till the end of the book when they are you know either resolved or something like that uh, so uh, right, right, right. i am i find that uh, you know either what you said today or what i what you said earlier was not understood by me properly no ashwani you i love your question okay so so the the secret <laughs> so one one thing that i go back to again again very foundational for me is john keats notion of negative capability and negative capability means the ability to hold two contradictory ideas in your to hold them at once without having to come to a needless conclusion about them so one thing is to both of those things you said you are you're you're saying exactly what i said you're right okay so yes the only distinction i will make is that when i'm talking about point of view in this instance yes as writers we want to try and understand all our characters fully we want to be able to represent their point of view and their motivation but in this case so point of view is a it's this little uh tricky phrase that will you know we'll say hey i everyone has a point of view okay but as writers we use it in two different ways one is that everyone is unique right and they are a, a human being that is developed out of their own experience and we should try and understand that about everyone there's no single person like the antagonist in our story isn't like hey i'm a bad person they don't think they're a bad person they think they're a good person the only person that thinks they're a bad person is the protagonist right the protagonist thinks that they're bad and evil but they don't think that they're evil right they're they're working on their own motivations it's a conflict of essentially equals so we want to understand the inner workings of all characters but point of view as i mean it in terms of craft is basically like a camera lens like a camera except for it's more than a camera because language is more versatile than a camera a camera only shows images our camera lens can do anything but what we do is we restrict it in various ways to to create a kind of focus and we take that camera that special writer's camera and we put it like inside the head of um a character or we can put it on the shoulder of a character, right? Where like the point of view, we limit, <clears throat> we basically limit the point of view in certain ways in order to create a focus of the work. So that's a specific thing. So like if you have, let's say you have a, a, a book and you have, let's say a hundred characters. If you went into everyone's, if you move that camera, you know, uh, John looked at Jane, uh, she was dressed in a blue uh, a blue skirt and uh, had a tiara. Uh, Jane looked at John, right? You know, if I go, if, if I'm reading here, uh, Jane looked at John, John looked at Jane, uh, Albert came in and smelled the coffee. You know, if I'm doing that, then I'm going to create a difficult experience for the reader. And again, what I'm saying is, it's not that we can't do it, but should we do it? This is what we want to think about. We can do anything, right? This is, Ashvani, you can write any word that you know at any time. So what is going to govern your choices? 
governs our choices is focusing on what is the story, focusing on who is the protagonist, and dealing only with those things. Oh, we better, I'm worried. Okay, we better move on to Ram's work. Right, I have uh, three people who have raised their hands, uh, Ram, Shubra, and Smitha. So I don't know if you have questions uh, or if you if they've already been answered. Uh, yeah, hi, uh, this is Smitha. I think my question is answered because uh, my question was, uh, if you're, uh, I, I find myself very dis descriptive. I write a lot. Uh, I explain uh, the character so much so that sometimes I feel my characters mm. are stuck in monotony. They become monotonous. So I was thinking, how do you establish a point of view with least, uh, um, you know, without making it monotonous and not having confusion? I think now I, I get it. Right. Okay. So, and, and that's a great question. And you're, you're seeing the right thing. You're saying, okay, there might be some monotony there. So I'm going to go back to the reader does not read to read about an experience. They read to have an experience. Yeah, so yeah, one yeah. Of the, one of the things that we, you know, if you're, one of the things we do not want to do, and when we're involved in narrative writing, and we only want to do it briefly, if at all, is uh, explain anything. We want action. Remember, yes. momentum. We want. And the way, we, the way we actually understand characters is not by explaining them. That could be very good work for you developmentally. And like, for example, when people write scripts, they write a lot about the characters that never show up in the script. Because the script, the reason movies are so popular is that they're all about action. Whereas we, we writers can bog down in these pointless explanations, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so, but a script writer might write a lot of developmental work about a character so that they understand the character and they want to understand the character because they want to know how the character is going to do things. Because yeah. uh, Henry James in a slightly more complicated way said, characters and action are merged. A character displays, we display ourselves with every action and every action displays our character. So, yeah. um, the the mantra for in the in the U.S. and every single workshop that you'll hear for you know more times than you want to until you want to go berserk on somebody is show don't tell. And if you can understand the distinction between showing and telling, you're going to be in great shape. I think that that's a shortcut to doing things that are more significant imaginatively for us. So I sometimes steer away from it, but it's a good prescriptive it's good prescriptive advice. Show don't tell. Um, thank you, and, thank you. Yeah, of course. I think we better t talk about Ram's work a little bit because um, I don't want to keep you too late. Um, did that change for you? Uh, we see this, a list this, of documents. Did the share change? Yeah, it, uh, it has. Uh, it came up on okay, it. I'm I'm going to reshare. <clears throat> yeah, it has come up. Okay. Uh, is it scrolling by any chance or not? Yeah, it is scrolling. Okay, great. 
Um, do you see the section here? All my things were stashed in the lower shelves. Yeah. Okay. Could you read that to the lower one? So I am. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, let me just give a little a little premise here. So in this story, um, there's a an older woman, a mother. Say so if I say anything that's incorrect, you let me know. Um, an older woman, a mother who's living with her son in London. Uh, she sort of uh, fantasizes about being back in Mumbai, and uh, and she reads a newspaper in the obituaries, but someone has written uh, something in the obituary where they, a man has, that she recognizes his name and maybe a picture too, and it goes on and says a little something and it says, I am alive in the obituary column. And now I think this is her uh, thinking about um, responding to that. Okay. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just read this. Uh, I'll just open my copy so that it's larger. Just give me a second. Okay. All my things were stashed in the lower shelves. The top shelves were empty. I pulled out a biscuit tin uh, dumped with photographs. So whatever I have in square brackets is something that I have to edit later. Uh, rummaging, I found the picture that I was looking for. It was a black and white picture, yellowing at the edges, only uh, the only one with the two of us. We were both beaming and we were holding hands. I was the shorter of the two and certainly less imposing. In the blurred background, I could make out the sea and the low wall of the whirly sea face. I caught a whiff of the sea in the air. I placed the photograph on the desk. I rummaged through the box for a recent picture of myself. The box was filled with pictures of Abhimanyu in various stages of childhood and of Dushyant and I, mostly I, of our various road trips across England and Europe. The most recent picture I could find was from 15 years ago. That was the last picture taken from Dushyant's camera during a trip to Scotland shortly after Abhimanyu and Sheila's wedding. I was smiling, but the smile did not reach my eyes. Dushyant had passed away the year before. I gazed at the picture. It did not do me justice. A thick fur cap covered my head and the collar of the jacket I wore covered my chin. I looked through the box again. Nothing. This would have to do. Darn mobile phones with their cameras. I cursed under my breath. I pulled out a notepad and took out a pen to scribble with. What should I write? A poem that I had composed years ago? No. A song that we used to hum together? No. My phone number? Certainly not. I opened the newspaper and read the message again. I am alive. I smiled. I had the answer. I scribbled three words in bold print. So am I. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, you, uh, Ram, you want to talk a little bit about what you're intending with the story and where you're at with it? Yeah, actually, the background to this story is that uh, we are uh, in one of the writing groups that we are on. Somebody was asking for some thoughts and ideas. And where in that story, uh, the, one of the key point in the story is that uh, the protagonist uh, reads about somebody in the newspaper. And uh, that is what triggered this thought. Uh, uh, so to, I haven't written the story fully, but basically the thing is that, okay, this uh, woman, she's been married, husband passed away, she's in London, she misses uh, her home back in Mumbai. Uh, so obviously the children are busy with their own lives. She feels lonely. She wants to belong. And her husband has obviously passed away many years before. Uh, so the 
photograph in the newspaper so that triggers thoughts of the time that she spent with this person and uh, then she starts recalling those days and then there is a there is uh, there is some things that happen where they actually start communicating through messages uh, in the obituary column <laughs> okay so that's how it progresses uh, yeah. so it's it's a, a slightly different style uh, but uh, that's how it progresses and i haven't uh, really thought out the ending but uh, i think it will have some sort of a closure uh, so in one point in the story that i have already written the mother tells the son that why don't you send me back to india so he says who's there for you so at the end of the story she will tell him that there is someone now okay great okay i i love so this seems like uh you know you're working on it it's so for for us as writers we would think of this uh thing with the obituary and i am alive that would be what we would call a conceit that's a conceit so we have this okay. idea basically about how to start our story Right. What would it be like if we did this, this, and this? You know, it's like right. there are these poets that are called conceit poets. They say, "What if you know God were a, a you know a, a beetle, you know, and you you know whatever." It's a conceit poem. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a conceit here, and I think it's a it's, I think it's a pretty good one. It sounds like the kind of conceit for a romantic comedy. You know, I right. could see it as a movie. I mean, I could see it as a very interesting movie. Wow, um, okay. <laughs> I I think I think uh, and I mean and you start off writing that movie by writing the story, write the story and let someone yeah. else make the movie. Well, although take take a rewriting credit for uh, the script. I just my suggestion. No, I had to edit it. I'm sorry, I couldn't edit it at all. So this is like extremely raw. It's rambling in parts, so it needs a oh, lot of editing. No excuses, Ram. No excuses. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Point it, taken. It. Honestly, you know, I, I would rather deal with something raw than something that's been like dealt with too much because then I'm going to okay. come in and say something and then the person's like, oh, my world is crumbling. Right. So, um, <laughs> right. I, I, I think it's much better. Write fast. You know, yeah. it's just words. Remember, we're going to write thousands of words in order yeah. to try and come up with our story. The, the thing for us is to remember, we are going to write all those words. Is this the story we want to commit to? Yes. Like, you know, do you want to truly give your life to this story, or is there some other story you want to get get to more significantly for you? That's right. the big question. Right. Um, I mean, here you are. You're writing about it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult. The things that are that I like about this is that you're taking on a point of view character, mm -hmm. this mother that is not. I'm going to tell me if I'm wrong, but it's not you, right? Not me, yeah. so you don't. You don't know this character. Mm. That is a really big commitment. Yeah, it is uh, actually. It's 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 very hard to write because you need mm. to be able to imagine the consciousness, even if it doesn't get on the page. Yeah. You need to be able to imagine the consciousness of this woman as a mm. full, complete human being, not yeah. a stereotype, not right. not a mother stereotype type, not any kind of stereotype. You're talking about a human mm. being who's had a set of experiences because mm. of who, because of being a woman, mm. because of uh, growing up where she grew up, you know, all the things that have to do with her, all her unique circumstances. She's a human right. being who's been formed by those experiences. Right. So that takes a lot to do. Right. We have to, and, and uh, this goes Ashvani a little bit to his idea about how we have to know all our characters. 
it requires actually two things, it seems to me. We have to know ourselves so well and how we've been formed by our experiences. So this is work that every writer has to do, no matter what. We have to know our, and we have to know ourselves as a human being who has been formed by our experiences that are unique to us, but the process of being formed is not unique. Right. Does that make sense? So, so we have to understand, because it's from that understanding that we're able to even begin to imagine the full life of this other character. Right? We have to be able to imagine what, what has made our full life, us who we are, and understand that it's been a set of circumstances. And now we have to under, now we now we can bring that knowledge to this other character to try to imagine her fully. The thing, the thing about this was a little bit the case with the in the other story too, where we had a servant woman, right? And here where we have a mother. I think we can think about characters like this. This is by the way, everyone, this is this is where the real joy of our work comes in. As writers, what we human beings are what we're interested in. I mean, human beings and the actions of human beings. Sorry, that disappeared. Um, so when we have a character, you know, uh, it can take us years, you know, even to write about characters who are like us because we don't even know ourselves. But when we have this other character, we can sort of imagine that the first things that we think about other characters is that they are other than us, right? And we come to conclusions about their otherness. They're the ways that they're not like us. We have cliches, we have stereotypes. All of those things have to fall away. You know, our first instinct, instincts in regard to other characters, as we, we objectify them because we've seen them, right? We're us and we see them, we see mothers, we see servants, we see, you know, if we're women, we see what men are like. If we're men, we see what women are like. All of that stuff has to fall away because that's coming from our point of view. We have to understand that character from their point of view. Hugely significant and difficult. Um, okay, so I just want I wanted to premise with that. I think you also did a good I think you did a good job here of creating a sense of antagonism, you know, um, between the mother and the and the and the the son primarily. Uh, particularly in the beginning, it goes back and forth. But one thing I did feel was, while you had the antagonism there, you didn't have the depth of characterization of the of the mother there. So mm, like, okay. she, she felt like she was just almost a, she was just really reactionary. Okay. She did almost like, a, you know, she's like a Venus flytrap. If you touch it, the, the, the things close, you know, right. you say something to her and bats it back. And, mm. uh, and, and so you, that goes back to this idea that we actually have to understand and be able to get into the consciousness of the character. I think you even have to establish your point of view. So like, you know, as, I, as I've said before, like the, the two things we need to do in the beginning is we have to show the conflict. And I think we have that here, but you also have to give us something so that we care. And that comes with establishing that point of view. Right. If I, as the reader can see what, what we're looking for in point of view from the protagonist is we want to put things on the page to create a sympathetic resonance is the mm. way I look at it with, right. the, with the reader. So I see, I see her humanity and that resonates with my humanity. Right. 
sometimes we talk about this in the movies. What happened here? Kids come in here sometimes. In the movies, we have this thing that they talk about the save the cat moment, which is again, it's shorthand for showing something on the interior of the character that the and it's used in movies because in the movies we can't go inside the character so we have to see something in action that shows that they're a sympathetic character so i think we do is, some... uh, what was that book save the cat right yes okay uh the cover sounds very interesting for sure and, and i think i've seen uh, would, would well you've so, definitely would seen you... movies You've seen movies where this has happened. Sometimes even the character literally saves a cat. So uh, like... Lethal weapon. You sure. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> yeah. uh, would you recommend this? The, 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 the teddy bear, the teddy bear, whatever. Many, many times. To show that they have a sense. So like, it's particularly done in lethal weapon. You know, these characters who are, you know, very negative characters. Um, they show that on the inside, their instinct is towards humanity. They're not sociopaths, right? You know, so um, yes, it's done all the time. I mean, it's just taken okay. as, 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 as a gospel, basically, in Hollywood to do this. And I'm sure Bollywood also is doing it uh, gospel, you know? Um, so, but, but for me, it's uh, superficial to look at it that way. For me, it's actually more of a connection with humanity. Some people even say, like, you want to show the vulnerability of your character. Um, again, I don't like that term any more than I like save the cat. It's not that. It's humanity. How do you get to some deep issue of theirs? You know, um, but vulnerability does describe it a feeling of unsafeness. You know, something. I don't know. It's worth thinking about. But I feel that that's missing in the start of yours a little bit. Okay, I have I have read it on that, but yes, I I get your point. Yeah, um, and then so and now I'm gonna now I'm gonna project forward a little bit in terms of the story and the way you're describing it. Right. Okay. So right now in this beginning, I think it's too complicated. You have this extra character that has to provide the newspapers. It's like a lot of moving parts. Yeah, that's right. I would just I would just get it going. I would get the sun. Yeah. The sun says. You know, the son puts down the paper and it's like, oh, hey, you know, mom, why don't you just read this? You know, it's the, you know, the, the Hindu times and da, 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 and then she reads it. But so I would want to get the conceit started quickly. Mm. But this is really important. We want to write about concrete things. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we want we do not want messages very much. We don't even want newspapers very much. We don't want these things that don't have the tangibility of life. We're we're creating a stage, right? Like imagine imagine if you will, if you if you had a, a performance for the stage and you just had a newspaper sitting in the middle of it. How okay. interesting is that gonna be? Mm. No matter what's written on it, it's not that interesting. Okay. Or if you had or if you had text coming down one side and text coming down on the other side. Right. We want we want to get human beings together. And okay. so this is this is the issue. We pretty much want to get our protagonist and our antagonist. We can think of it like this: in a lifeboat together as quickly as can as we can. Okay. So, like for me, as you describe the story, and I think it could be charming as a script. You know, this woman, uh, she 
she's uh, in the wheelchair now, which is kind of great because we imagine that she'll be able to get out of it later on. Uh, we, we anticipate that that might happen when she really needs to. Um, but I would try and get her. She doesn't like London. I would get her hooked up with this, you know, past flame of hers as quickly as I can and get them in London, right? Okay. This place she doesn't experience. But mm -hmm. that's because I want to have her and this guy together because that's where the story is. Okay. Seeing them interacting with each other is going to be the nature of the story. And mm -hmm. want to show that happen. And like, and, and I, yes, I, as I can see it a little bit as a cliche romantic comedy, and believe me, my daughters hate when I watch, when they watch movies with me because I tell them what's going to happen and it irritates them. But what's going to happen? Okay, let me, I can tell you even what's going to happen. I, maybe I'll forgo that. But mm -hmm. anyway, the issues that they had in the past are still going to be their issues in the present. Right. Right. So whatever, whatever reason that they did not get together back then, mm -hmm. regardless of their circumstances, are now something that they're going to have to revisit now. Mm. And that's right. going to happen at the end. Right. But in the meantime, they're going to, we're going to be able to see this woman who's going to be able to come out of the house, who's going to eventually get out of her wheelchair, who's actually going to be, she's going to gain a sense of her own independence through this right. relationship and arrive someplace new. Right. So I think it could be a wonderful story. I think it's, it's a romantic comedy and it, right. it follows, it follows some traditions of what romantic comedies will do, yeah. but the characters are new. So yeah. that is good. Okay. For a writer, right? Like, so Ezra Pound, Ezra Pound says, um, this is his advice to writers. It's very short. Make it new. Make it new. Right. That, those are words to write up on our computer. So he's not saying that we, that we make something that's never been seen before. He doesn't right. say make something unique. Because if we made something unique, no one would understand it. Right. But we take something that people do understand, human relationships, and we make it new. We show it to them in a new light. Right. Your character, your character is a strong character. Right. I've never, I've never seen that character on the page before. And okay. I love that she starts in this place and she has a long way to go. Right. She's, she's now pining for Mumbai. Mumbai isn't the Mumbai she remembers. She's pining for that. She's in a wheelchair. Yeah. She's stuck in this apartment. So now she has a great place to end up. Right. Beautiful. I love it. And then I don't know who this cat is going to be who wrote I Am Alive. Um, you know, maybe, <laughs> That's the suspense, maybe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. He, but, but I do know that he's going to be a cad and a rake of some kind. He's going right. to be really, he's going to be really fun. He's going right. to be great. But, you know, maybe he's been trolling for, you know, older women. Maybe this is how he trolls for older women. <laughs> I don't know. Right. So, um, so I, I really look forward to it. Okay. But I'll, I'll again say it does, it lends itself towards that. But again, that's going to be a project. If you're going to write, you know, write that short novel, maybe. Um, yeah. I like, I like the Parathas in there. I love the, you know, the Indian culture. I love that, uh, the diaspora, Indian culture. I think all of that is really tremendously interesting. Um, okay. It's a great world, a great world to tell a very timeless story. Okay. Um, 
Thanks. Thanks for the feedback. This is really useful. And after I read your feedback on the mail, I have actually rewritten the first part because you said that the setting is not getting established. I thought a lot about it. Uh, I don't know if time permits, I can share my screen for maybe a minute, but I don't know if time permits, but I did rewrite the beginning. Great. Um, are, do you, are you living in London yourself? No, I am not, but I have borrowed elements from when I visited my cousin in London and stayed with him for about two weeks. Yeah, well, you can absolutely write about places. That, I mean, I've written a whole story about Mali, and I've never been to Mali. Sometimes okay. it's a fantasy experience, but but it can be great. You can get so much because as a writer, um, you just have to remember what we want is we want to put concrete experience on the page. True. So absolutely. you can find you know you can find your tourist guides and this and that and the other thing, but you don't want to write it. You don't. You're not going to write a tourist guide. You're going to write from the perspective and point of view of this woman who's doing right. things in London that she's never done before with yeah. this man who she wants to imagine as a savior, but no one is a savior, right? Right. So um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it could be a, a really, a really neat uh, book, you know, if, you know, written, written well, it could be a neat book. And I think, that it, I think that there would be people who would be interested in, you know, drawing up a script out of it. I was actually planning this as a short story, but now you've given me ideas. You've given me ideas. Make it a short story, but uh, I'll make it but, a short story. Yeah. But it's, it's so, it is a charming, uh, conceit, right. the charming yeah. conceit that, um, that, you know, them going to a couple different places in London will mm. just take up time and you, you want to still have that thing where she's, you know, it's a chiasmus issue, right? She's right. going like, but she's she's headed towards a fantasy of right. this man, right. you know, and and then she has to figure out something for herself. Every story is about self-actualization. That's right. So she will she will uh, get to the point through him as an antagonist get to the point of her own actualization. Right. And that's that's the, right. I I love so writers go back to the idea of character. We love mm -hmm. characters, and. This is what we do to them. This is what we do to our characters. We treat them horribly so that we can give them something wonderful. Right. 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 Um, so I think you really you have that set up here in, okay. this, uh, in this conceit. So I, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. So a lot of hard work ahead. Thanks a lot. Uh, sure. <laughs> Uh, do we want to stop here and continue next Sunday? I think you've covered two pieces. So uh, I know I will be sending you a piece and I checked there are a couple of other, uh, uh, you know, uh, authors who wanted to send you a piece, but they weren't sure if there was enough time. So I think they'd be sending uh, their pieces. in. The oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Someone said, yeah, Ram sent me this just last minute, which was which was fine. I, I'll tend to read. So people have a little bit of time. I tend to read. Well, actually, it's the weekend now on Sunday. I will definitely try to get my reading done on Friday. So if, okay. if I know Ashvani is ready to go again. So it's been too long. I was just talking about your work again, Ashvani. Incredible. You made such an impression on me. I know. Keep the bar low, though, please. Keep the bar low. You don't have to. Sometimes. Oh, I got a funny story for you. So when I was uh, when I was at Stanford, right? So I'm in the Stegner program. I lived on Half Moon Bay. And there was another former Stegner who lived out in Half Moon Bay. Uh, his name was Steve, and I can't remember his last name, but his name was Steve. He lived out in Half Moon Bay. He like worked at the bookstore. And I went to Stanford, and I and he was actually 
a, a member of uh, Tobias Wolf, who, who I, I was able to study with, wonderful person, wonderful writer, everyone read Tobias Wolf. He was, a, he was in Tobias Wolf's Stanford class. So I asked Tobias Wolf about him, and he said, yeah, uh, he was the youngest person ever taken in the Stegner program, and his first two stories were taken by the New Yorker. Guess how many stories he wrote after that? So, wow. keep the bar low. Keep the bar low. I, I want to see, Ashvani, I want to see something that's much sloppier from you next time. Okay. Bye, everyone. Just, Please, just yeah, say something. Yeah. Just a final question before I go, uh, before we conclude. I just want to know, regarding the, uh, like if, if I'm writing somebody's life, real life, nonfiction form, uh, how to place a point of view, if we can take up, it's never next, next class also, if you want. But I uh, just wanted to ask if I'm doing a like, life, like uh, somebody's life, a real life story. How do well, I present it? It really, it really depends what you want to do, how much creative license you want to take. You can either write it in third person, right? So this is typically in third person. So you write that, you know, she went here and you know everything through the facts and you never enter into her point of view, but it is a, so that's a limited point of view. Okay. So remember how I said, like, we can take the point of view and we can put it inside the head of a character. In fiction, we can do this, right? Okay. Um, in fiction, I can put the point of view inside the head of a character, or in nonfiction, right, if I'm writing facts, I can put the point yes. of view in my own head, because one imagines that I know what's going on in my own head. Not really, of course, but we imagine it. Or we put, we put the point of view on the shoulder of the character, or sometimes it's on the shoulder of the character, but sometimes it's up here. Actually, that's what we normally do in nonfiction, right? We'll be like, um, you know, so-and-so, she walked into the party where the heads of state were congregated around a punch bowl. She picked up the punch bowl and dumped it over Henry Kissinger's head, right? Um, Henry Kissinger, now I go up to here, Henry Kissinger was the head of state of blah, 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 blah. So now I'm in a, a, a more distant, point of view where I'm writing about, I'm writing from that omniscient narrator, still limited to what's of significance to the story, but I'm writing from that point of view. And then sometimes I drop down onto the shoulder of the character I'm writing about in third person. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Or there, there are creative nonfiction writers. If you're writing about someone who, you know, is passed away and is not going to argue with you and, and take you to court, then maybe you go into their head for. I have for to seek permission for that. I'm seeking permission from people uh, like mostly women, uh, inspiring women, uh, people who have achieved achievers. So if I get permission to, you know, for, uh, write creative nonfiction, then I'll go for that. Otherwise, the other point you mentioned, I'll just write on the shoulder kind of. I, I will yeah. follow that. And, and, and the, the thing to remember is that we can always rewrite things. So there's that, you know, we have so much versatility. I mean, the writers have this incredible power of language. We can always rewrite things. We can always change things. I, I don't care, you know, uh, Ram was talking about something being in, you know, not, not neat enough or whatever. Does not matter to me at all because we're dealing with stories. We want to figure out, we want to put, we want to put notes in time basically to create music. And so we want to take something, we might write about it in summary, we might write about this way, we write about this, we write about this, we write about this. We may change each and every one of those. 
I've done that. I've rewritten the whole works in order to change the point of view, the distance, or whatever. We, we want to form the story. That's the main thing. The number one macro issue is that we have a character who, gets, who has a conflict with uh, antagonistic forces, and that they are changed by those forces. That's okay. the thing that we're after. doesn't matter how we write it. Okay. So, so dig and, in. And, you can, and you this can start writing that right Okay, and oh, just a request ahead. also. And just a request also for the next session. Can you just touch upon your writing routine and structure? How to prepare a good structure for a story? Um, yeah, yeah. Given the time, I like know I, I, how I, how you write, design your writing routine as a, and how many words you write every day. So if I want to know that, Any yeah. Well, one one thing that I've definitely proven is that I I can type. So I, I write a lot of words every day, but for yourselves, keep the bar low as you as you start to develop your strength. I mean, you, you're not going to go into the gym and lift, uh, you know, 300 pounds over your head the first day. So you start mm -hmm. off with a little bit, but you do it every day. That's my big advice for routine. Write every day. Five minutes a day is fine. If you're not writing every day, start with just writing five minutes every day. Sure. And then when, when you have that mastered, then we can talk about writing more. Um, sure. And then Thank also, also I make coffee. Ritual, ritual, get yourself into that mental space. A nice ritual, very simple. Keep it simple. So you don't think about anything and definitely do not open up your email. Sure. All right, I better Thank go. You so Thank you all. It's, it's Thank you so much. Great talking Thank you, you Otis. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Thank, thank you very much, Otis. Thank you.